Welcome to Great Women in Fraud with Kelly Paxton, Certified Fraud Examiner, Private Investigator, and Pink Collar Crime Expert. This is the podcast where thought leaders in fraud share their stories, wisdom, resources, and tips. For 25 years, I have worked in fraud and investigations in both the government and private sector. I love what I do, and I want to share with others who are also either working in fraud or interested in fraud as a career. This is where you will learn how to investigate but not commit fraud. I cannot tell you guys how happy I am to start Great Women in Fraud with Cynthia Hetherington. I could not, when I sent you the email, I had my fingers crossed. I'm like, but you always answer every email I have ever sent. You have always answered. So I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart because you have started my world in fraud. So let's let's do your little introduction, how you want to be introduced. Kelly, you know what? It's phenomenal to hear from you. It's, it's wonderful to get this invitation. Women in Fraud is obviously an important topic. And it's funny because we've just been women in fraud and all of a sudden we have to kind of stop and reflect and say, maybe we should take a moment to put a check mark and say, you know, we've done this. Uh, myself, I didn't even realize there was a fraud world as a profession until about 2006 when Alan Bachman, who is the education director for the ACFEs, personally called me and said, why are you not in the ACFE? And why aren't you teaching with us? And I thought, because I had already been, gosh, I've been in business for many years already and and hitting all those marks. And I thought, wow, um, I don't know why I'm not there. You know, Let me join. Let me get involved. Let me do what I can do. And I'm, I'm still doing what I can do in all the different ways that I bring my perspective to the table. So, uh, yeah. Just, yeah, it's just it's I, kind of like still moving forward. I'm not sure exactly what a woman in fraud is, but apparently we're it. <laughs> well, we're great women in fraud, not just a woman in fraud, but we are great women in fraud. And I will have to say um, a little bit of the backstory. I saw you at the ACFE conference and I was just like, oh my God, you were up there with this phone, which like now we would laugh at. And you were literally responding to Twitter. And I was like, oh my God. And I, I couldn't believe it. So I started stalking you, of course, because that's what we do is we stalk. And um, you just incredibly graciously would like answer my emails. And then as a member, you were the president of the Association of Independent Information Professionals. FYI, it is a fantastic group. You were the president. You came to little Vancouver, Washington, just north of Portland. And I literally came out to the conference just so I could stalk you in person. <laughs> so... I just, uh, I love the whole librarian investigator because I was listening to you on Matt Spears um, podcast and curiosity. It is just, it's what you are. You are so curious. It's interesting. You mentioned the word curious and stalking. It's only curiosity and it's only stalking when you're not getting paid. So when you do these things professionally, you're doing analysis and current awareness, but but the, the fun thing about this uh, and running my own little events as well is I'm always, being a curious person, I want to know what makes really good analysts, what makes a really good fraud examiner, what makes what, what brings us to this field and not other fields that are so closely related like security or investigations, more traditional side. And I've listened to other podcasts and every one of them have mentioned, every one of the other investigator O-Sinners you know, researchers in our field have said the same word, curious, tenacity, obsessive. 
It's, it's a continuous word for the behavior of people like myself and you, Kelly. We are not satisfied with a quick answer. We've always, we don't just look under the rock. We dig five feet deep and we, we investigate the soil. So there's definitely a behavior for the type of professional that we are. And those that really truly last in this industry have our pictures next to obsessive. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, it's like, you can see all the dots, but I think we're really good at connecting the dots where like people can find them, but we actually connect the dots. So, um, yeah, we're like, you know, after shiny squirrels and things like that, but, um, you know, the good point that you just mentioned that, and I want to jump in because this, this really is a pivotal moment with, What's the, what's the difference between a person who just uses Google and finds lots of stuff often and then a person who could look at it and get a bigger picture, see a trend, understand the outcome of all those dots? And the outcome is incredibly important. As a librarian, and you, know, I'm, you mentioned I'm a librarian, I have a master's of library science, I was taught how to find answers, not how to analyze and give information, but how to find answers so that the client or the patron could do that. To become an analyst meant learning how to be introspective and how to review those dots to make answers, to make risk intelligence out of just random bits of detail that we found on the internet. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing is, is I used to refer to that as soft skills. And I think that minimized us a bit. I no longer consider it to be a soft skill. It is so measurable. And um, yeah, it's just incredibly measurable. So we have a list of fun questions for you. And uh, <laughs> one of the first things is, do you think you have a hidden talent? And what is it? I do, actually. I have a very, very good hidden talent, but it hasn't been challenged in the last few months. Uh, I have the ability to catch flights. <laughs> <laughs> I have this crazy, crazy ability to fast and furious a rental car into a car lot, OJ Simpson my way through the airport, schmooze my nicest attitude to a TSA who's bored and wants to overly introspect my luggage and smile as I'm launching to the gate to catch the seat before the door closes. In the 25 years I've been traveling and training, I have maybe lost five flights. That's amazing. Yeah. Especially with TSA. I mean, it's truly, yeah. Oh, okay. That's a, that's a great hidden talent. And hopefully, you know, in 2021, we'll be able to get back to travel and we'll see each other at a conference, something like uh, that. Phenomenal. Everyone's talking about COVID, but how has COVID impacted you and the Hetherington Group? I know you're doing lots of, you know, online stuff, but how has it affected your business? COVID, in a way, is only a bookmark for Hetherington Group because of the increase of work. Uh, Analysts working behind their desks don't really notice the change of workload. We're not frontline security professionals. We don't have to go out and meet with clients sitting across the desk from them. 90% of what we do is done from our desks anyway. Now, my office is open. Um, You're actually talking to me from my office right now, and we are essential, so we are still coming into work. But my analysts have the ability to work from home as it is, because we have all the right security measures in place. So we just, you know, we started splitting up who comes into the office, who works from home. We all want to be in the office because we bring dogs here, and who doesn't like working with dogs? 
but the the physical presence hasn't been a problem for us. I'm also incredibly fortunate. My staff have all remained healthy and our families have stayed healthy. As many of you know, although COVID is everywhere now, when this first really came into the States, our part of the world in the northern metro area of New York, we were really, really struck hard. So I could count, you know, five people I know who were, who were dead because of COVID, unfortunately. But other than the immediate March and April, we are still up and running. The final bit of business is that we have increased our workforce by 20% because the problems of the workplace for our clients has increased incredibly. Some employees are told they have to go back to work, but they are feeling a post-traumatic stress. And this is now becoming a problem for security efforts, as well as um, certain companies getting taken advantage of. You know, we want to buy PPE from this foreign country, but we're afraid that we're getting it from a vendor who's not legitimate. Check them out. So our business has actually increased and we're meeting those needs and demands. Unfortunately, because we can work from home, it's it's a possibility, but we're busy. We're, we're moving. That That is great to hear. And of course, we got to talk about uh, osmosis that you're drinking out of your osmosis cup right now. So let's talk about osmosis, your conference and it going virtual. I'm going to it. I can't wait. I don't miss it. It's like the highlight of the year. Well, you know, thanks for asking about osmosis. We, um, if, if I took a hit at all this year, it's the fact that we're not meeting in San Diego for our conference. It's the sixth year. We have an incredible lineup of presenters and bits and bytes speakers and participants coming out, the vendors. Like this year, the sixth year of a conference is really the one where everyone says, all right, you're not just propping this up for a couple of years and it's going to go to the wayside. This is a legitimate event that occurs. And very much this year, it's all about the open source intelligence investigator. So we rebranded and we started uh, with not just being online and social media. It's now the open source intelligence skills building conference. And everything in line with that new branding is what we're presenting. What did occur thanks to COVID is nobody's traveling and budgets have gotten tanked. So we immediately transitioned to GlobalCast, which is just our fancy word for saying it's an online virtual event. And it's it's actually better. And we were going in this direction anyway, because why wouldn't you have an OSINT conference online? But next year, next year it'll be the two things will be side by side. So what we'll have is is the presenters will all be live. They'll be coming in. There'll be multiple rooms that they'll be rolling into. The presenter will be right next to the to the MC. Questions will be happening. Meanwhile, in the background, there's a, a board where communications happening, questions and answers are going on, and it's it's a lively discussion. In fact, the conference has already started. It started a month ago because um, GoOsmosisCon.com. As soon as you sign up for the conference, you're in the platform. To put it in a very quick version, this is a social media platform just for this conference. It started a month ago. It'll end probably sometime at the end of December, going into January. But anything that's content now is in there and is being shared. So the the OSA investigator who's looking for a contact, they're looking for a new job, they want to find and learn from the instructors we have. They want to ask the instructors questions now or after the event. Yeah, everything's at your fingertips. And because we're all just sitting here in our sweaters and our keyboards, it's really no, oh, I'll, I'll answer that guy's question. I've already seen 
connections happening on the platform where people are actually scouting out new jobs and new hires. So I'm kind of blessed that this craziness of what's going on in the world has forced us into this a lot faster than we thought, but we really did. We found a lot of great partners and we're doing fantastic here. That's great. I'm already into the platform and everything like that and connecting to people and then listening to the classes that you had on Monday. That's the thing about COVID. There's so much badness, but there's also, you can attend things that you couldn't have attended in the past. Um, So I am going to be missing the Palantir party. But, (laughs) and and our, uh, you know, with Brian Willingham, the Spanish themed dinner and everything like that. But I know that like the content is so, it's going to be top notch as always. You know, the funny thing is that our conference in the last, most especially last year, when we read the reviews, you know, like, you know, it's always hard to read, like, what did you dislike the most? Because you, you're just waiting to feel like that one speaker that didn't hit you or, or you know, you know, we don't always get everything 100%. And we know that we're growing. But the complaints that came through were so funny. It was, there was too much food. <laughs> you didn't need, like, chocolate at every event. Like, and it was, the complaint was, like, we overfed people. And I said, I'm a North Jersey uh, Italian kid, of course I have to feed you, but there's no food this year. So what we're doing this year is we're sending out packages to everyone before the conference. So we have goodie bags going out to everybody because I'm still going to feed you and you're still going to get the swag, which a lot of virtual conferences this year just cut out. They're like, oh, we're all virtual. You know, we're all bragging about how good we're going to do virtual. But I'm like, you still need to touch people. You still need to like, they still need to get the the little sticker in the mail and the, the little things that the vendors wanted to put out. So we're still going to send it out and make it that way. And that that's always the differentiator between our conference and other events is that, you know, you're a cog, you're, you're a number, you know, to me, you're all still, it's still small enough. You're still family to me. So we're going to make sure that happens. And that everyone, you know, feels like they've gotten, you know, not overfed this year, but at least they got a power bar in the mail. (laughs) So funny. And you know what, this kind of ties into great women and fraud. And, you know, I'm never about the gender, but I kind of think women are better at doing those sort of touches. And like, I didn't know that we were going to do this, but like, how special is that when you get it? You just, I mean, it doesn't cost you a lot, but we remember those little touch points. I think that. You know, like, like, let's take a step back as a female and look at this. And it's, I'm going to say, it's hard for me to separate from my own femininity to say, because this is just who I am. But, but I do like to step back and say, what do I always remember about a conference and what really resonates with me afterwards? And it's always about the relationships. You know, I hear great speakers. I take away amazing content. I learn something. Maybe I get the certificate I needed. But I always come back talking about the people I met. And Kelly, you're one of those people that I've met in, in, in this tradecraft. And, I, and it was, I remember after I first met you, and I think I was launching Osmosis early in the year, and I came back to my office, I said, Kelly is really a go-getter. She's, she's out there. She's transparent. She's intelligent. She's got a theme. You know, she's going towards pink collar crime. She's got a, a world in and of herself that she's really trying to promote. And I said, and I, I want to get behind that. I want to support that. I think she's on something here. And if anything, I want to just help prop her up and get her going. And, um, and I was right. Intu- intuition, 
you know, you could call it business sense, women's intuition, intuitiveness. Um, I just got off a call with a very successful customer. He calls it his gut. We're in this industry a long time because we trust those instincts. And I do feel like a woman's going to, you know, she's not just going to look at the conference. She's going to look at the touches, you know, like planning a wedding. I mean, who plans a wedding? The female (laughs) plans the wedding, you know? Yeah. He just makes sure he gets the ring and he shows up, you know? So it's touch. (laughs) Final touches make very masculine thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I think what you said about this is year six of osmosis con in the podcast world, there's this thing called podcast fade and it's at episode seven. So you're kind of at conference fade and you blew through it because you are going strong, even stronger than before. I remember um, I was working at Nike and I saw osmosis and I was, I went to my boss and I'm like, this is the conference I have to go to. If this is my training money for the year, this is the conference I'm going to go to. And you know, I didn't, yeah, it's just, there are certain conferences and I don't do a ton of OSINT work these days. You know, I'm more speaking about embezzlement and ethics and fraud, but I still get asked a lot. And I have made connections at Osmosis. Brett in Australia, we are in good contact. David in London. I mean, it's just, it's amazing the connections that you make at Osmosis. You don't do that when you're a number in the hallway. Well, and it's funny because you made the pitch to Nike to make this the conference you go to. And then it was either that year or the year after. I remember telling, because you are also our number one social media poster. And I told my office, make sure Kelly gets an invite at my, you know, like, obviously we have my friends and family rates. I'm always offering, you know, to keep the prices down for particularly, frankly, for the law enforcement and the military folks, especially if they're looking at, they have to pay for this themselves. And I remember you had, you know, you had uh, left Nike or you were moving in between transition. And I'm like, I don't care. Kelly gets to come. If Kelly could get herself here, she's my guest. So And the Bretts and the Davids, like, I know who those guys are. I mean, I make sure that we spend time, Mario, you know, we've got, we've got guys that we see every year and, and it, it, the conference is for them because they are the leaders of this movement. And it's, it's important that I prop up my generals really well and that we support them. And it's so worldwide. Like, I mean, I would not have met them if it weren't for osmosis because I just, it's smaller. And I kind of think post-COVID, if we get the vaccine and everything, that people are going to want to go to high-touch, high or, you know, kind of elite conferences where you're not a number in the hallway. You're going to want to really connect with people. I think COVID has kind of shown that to us. So if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't known about osmosis or you're on the fence, you definitely should go. I mean, I just... It's the thing that I do because it's just so amazing. I have to tell you one other funny thing. When you, when I started stalking you at first, I think you had just left Aon. And I couldn't believe that you would leave a good corporate gig to become a solo. I was just like, what is she doing? Like, oh my God, security. I'm all about safety and security. And here I am doing this. And here you are. And I think, did you have fear when you left Aon? I left giggling the whole way out the door, but, but the story, the story is a little deeper. I was solo from, I've been in my own business practice for 21 years. Aon came to me in 2006 and said, we want you as part of our team. And like any good consultant, I said to them, 
I'll write all the reports you want. You stamp your name on them and send them out and you'll just be my customer. And I remember the uh, VP at the time said, I don't want to date. I want to get married. So he, he wanted to basically, he wanted my company. He wanted me. So the short version of this is overnight, I negotiated a deal with him to bring myself and my team on. I, the next day, literally this happened so fast. The next day I fired all my staff and then I rehired them under Aon. And, uh, and we were Aon employees and I was the managing director of intelligence. I was completely out of my league. We're talking, I had all the same customers, but now I was walking around tethered by the retired FBI and the retired district attorneys and AG and, you know, the heads of, because that was the grade of professional. And I had imposter syndrome where I'm like, I don't belong here. I was running the business out of my second bedroom, but I just took it and scaled up quickly. Uh, I left, when I left Aon, there was a lot of circumstances that were changing at Aon that made it good for all parties to disentangle ourselves. But at Kelly, I was smart. I had a contract. <laughs> I think you were smart. That's what I love about you. You are, which we're going to talk about, you are an incredibly successful female entrepreneur. Well, you know, I tell all the folks, you know, you could, you're welcome to have imposter syndrome. I think we all should have a sense of imposter syndrome every day we come here. And the fact that I'm even on this podcast, I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, who am I to tell others? But you know, I'm old, I'm old in the industry. So I've got that, I've got experience and that's for sure. And the one thing I said when I was going into the company, as I said, I might not be the retired head of the FBI, but I carry some value. They're clearly coming to me for a reason. So make sure you guarantee it because if they fire me tomorrow, I have nothing to launch my company back on. So I made sure I was secure. That became a negotiation point. And then I will tell you the day I left Aon, I picked up the Bernie Madoff case and was completely enmeshed in working that plus all all of my old clients came back um, and have launched back even more successful. And I'm appreciative of Aon for the two years I was there because it was like a masterclass and how to how to run with the big dogs. And I just, you know, I was able to transition from that experience kind of like you and the companies you work for. And then you come back to working with your small operations and you're like, great, I have all that great experience product and fortitude, but I, I I could charge you, you know, a much more reasonable rate and a faster turnaround because I still know what it's like to eat what I kill. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there is no retirement check coming in because I run my own operation. So every client we get, we value and we make sure we return good products so that we get that client again next week. Absolutely. I, yeah. Uh, but I was, I was just like, you know, I want to be secure. But I would say going on my own has been the best thing that I've ever done. I mean, I was on my own before I went to Nike and it was fine. But now this this launch of going on my own, even better. I mean, just absolutely even better. So, okay, we've got some cheesy questions. Not really. They're not cheesy, but they're really helpful questions to the audience. I'm going to say, who are the three people who have been the most influential in your career? Oh, um. Gosh, you know, you know, the, the appropriate answer is both my parents and Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, business wise, uh, I did learn from both my parents. They've always run their own company and I saw the struggles of operating your own company and the perils. 
I'd have to also then thank Dr. Bill Tafoya, who is the Unabomber profiler. And when I met him, he was a, an educator and a professor. His most recent, and I believe he's retired since then, was University of New Haven. Bill was the one who identified me as a librarian and said, the benefit of having a library science degree in intelligence and analytical work is underappreciated by both the Bureau and all the different agencies. And yet he saw it and he knew it. The other fellow that I really, truly appreciate, and I mean, these fellows just open doors. And, I, and in a world of me too, where we try to talk about how we may have been oppressed, I have, I have really appreciated just the opposite. I have had nothing but people who have helped prop me up. Michael Garrity, who's now the Chief Information Security Officer for the state of New Jersey, he was just one of the very first cyber cops. He was a trooper in Jersey a million years ago when we met. And he would give me his, you know, four-hour presentation about TCP/IP stacks and and techno that he had built the week before to give in his world. And he said, and I said, Mike, someone's asked me to do a presentation. What do I, what do I do? And he's like, here, here's the slide deck. A, he gave me the content. B, he told me like what a billable hour looked like, and that you don't go away because I was a librarian. We gave everything away for free. And he's like, no, they will never assess value unless you charge for it. And, and so he gave me that structure and he's just been a constant ear in my entire career. And I am for him as well, but I'm pretty sure I call Mike more than he calls me. The last guy and one I really want to prop up there is another private investigator. And that's Bill Vincent out of Chicago. Bill's company was VTS Investigations. Bill is the most successful and ethical investigator I have ever met in this tradecraft. He has never been afraid to try something new. He thought, why not bring on a librarian technologist onto my team and just paid me a couple bucks to stay on core. So he was my mentor as I was learning everything that I knew as tradecraft as information finding and analysis. He taught me the private eye side of the field. And I could give you a long laundry list of other people I'm so appreciative of, but anybody and everybody I've ever been in front of, you know, book publishers, uh, fellow writers, I, I've just even you know stalkers like Kelly Paxton who just said, "I'm following you, and I want to know what you have to say. Everything I read that you write is a pearl of wisdom." That's kept me very accountable, and I can't put schlocky work out there if I know that I have genuine readers who are looking to get and gain advantage in their own trade crafts from the stuff that we produce. So, probably more than three, but I was never good at math. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're a librarian, huh? The Dewey Decimal System is all you've got. That's um, it. <laughs> so what, What? I mean, you provide great content, but where do you go to to find the, the sort of next level? How do you stay current? The trick to my currency is I'm a rabid reader. Uh, probably a throwback to being a librarian, but there's plenty of readers in analytical worlds. So I'm not reading the... I don't eat from the same trough I feed my sows. So I read everybody else's industry newsletters. I'm constantly reading newspapers. I read at least two or three newspapers every day. And frankly, I read the hard copy paper I have, uh, I have right here. In fact, this is fascinating. New York Times came out this weekend with an article reviewing the work of Milton Friedman and what his tense of economics was. And so I'll read this specialized section on Milton Friedman and capitalism uh, 
And then I start thinking about how does this affect my clients? Because it's not just capitalism and economics, it, you know, their clients are reading this and making changes. So I try to read what my clients read to stay current. In today's world, I'm also very active in reading any of the briefings and intelligence reports that come out from different agencies in social media and dark web. And in the current world of protest movements, we have to be both aware and to use a common term today, woke to what the concerns are of the people who are taking time out to protest. We have to understand what their reasoning and rationale is so that we can um, understand what they're trying to present. We don't want to be tone deaf just because we have, you know, we come from the Blue Lives Matter world. You know, I'm very, very attuned to uh, the law enforcement military side of the world. And this has always been my alliance. But I'm also, you know, socially uh, liberal minded where I want to be prepared and supportive of other organizations out there that have just as much right to being heard. So all their mantras I'm reading, we, we stay on top in that world. And then as far as just the tradecraft, how do I keep up with the latest websites and services? You mentioned uh, an association I belong to, and I'm the past president of the Association of Independent Information Professionals. You know, uh, they'll hate me for saying this, but the uncoolest of, you know, we're, we're mostly former recovering librarians who are specialists in different industries, like some are petroleum, some are uh, transportation, pharmaceutical, some are specialists, some are other private eyes or, you know, fraud investigators. But but most of us really come from the information perspective and we eat websites that produce data all day long. I mean, we eat databases for breakfast. We could break down LexisNexis to its fundamental core. Uh, you know, like we know Hank Asher, we, we know these companies and these services at such a data ASCII level. You know, we started doing this when Roger Summit first developed the very first aggregator database, which was Dialog. And Roger's on our panel. You know, Roger's one of our one of our members. And you talk about the gazillions of databases and artificial intelligence rolling out now. Roger started it in the 1960s. LexisNexis then showed up. Then all those other companies came in. So uh, staying close to AIP is definitely for the best of my my development. And for, I don't know, the 200 bucks a year it costs me, it's like a drop in a bucket for all the benefit I get out of it. Yeah, it's it. I was a member for about a year and I kind of got overwhelmed just because I was starting this up and everything. But most generous people ever, ever, you could ask a question and they'd be on it. And coming at it from a different sort of perspective. I had um, a friend recently post something on Facebook that was fake news. And like, <laughs> you're just kind of like, uh, what do you do when you have someone that clearly it's fake news? I mean, how do you, so I posted something and then after the interaction, I actually texted her and apologized for doing it publicly. But there's so many resources out there these days. We have to know what's real and what's actually not real and to be able to vet the sources. So again, having all these connections. Well, th because we're talking social media platforms, it's a very easy, I think the last actual Pew assessment 
Uh, actually, I can't say Pew because I'm not sure which one the source was, which is bad since we're talking about fact checking. But um, they're about 70% of all Twitter accounts are not authentic. They're artificially created. So considering Twitter is a launch point for any number of platforms, it's important that like when you read someone's Twitter account that you look at that it's an authenticated account. And then you got to question the person who's posting it. But at the very least, much of the content that gets reposted, retweeted, and, and that we make our assessments from, uh, we question everything. The social media has made everyone an expert on everything. <laughs> and yeah, even, even just the weather. I go home and my, my significant other says, oh, it's going to be a bad winter this year. And I immediately like, why? Because Facebook said so. And he's <laughs> like, no, it was the weatherman. And I'm like, oh, okay, I trust weatherman. I mean, not really, but at least more than I do Facebook posts. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I know. It's a crazy world out there. And so it is like to have, to know the right sources is so incredibly important. So yeah. Have you ever thought of giving up and getting a real job? Every day, every day, <laughs> every day I'm going to go back to the public library and I'm going to hand out books on Marco Polo and the standard reports and actually, you know, I joke about, it, but frankly, I couldn't, I, if I went to the public library today and I have done this, uh, you know, I've looked for standard reference books that I had behind my desk and they're not there anymore because everything is now in an online venue. Kelly, one of my friend's kids was looking at exploring colleges and they wanted to just kind of do a quick side-by-side -side comparison of colleges. So I said, well, why don't we go to the public library? Let's get the Peterson's guides and let's look at the colleges. And so we went to the library and I went right to the reference desk. I didn't say I was a librarian. I didn't come with any fanfare. I was just another, you know, middle-aged woman with a teenager. And I said, I'd like to see the Peterson guides too. And she says, okay, go to the website. And I'm like, no, I know their websites, but let me actually see the books. I want to make this like, this was our moment. This is my bonding moment with this kid. And I had to sit down in front of a computer and I'm like, I could have done this from home. <laughs> The, the real world out there, um, it wouldn't want me. I'm way too bossy. Uh, I'm too much of a, of a, I'd like to say I'm too much of a leader now, but I'm too much of a busybody to be behind anything except campaigning, whatever agenda we have. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I could get a real job. I, I just, I had a friend a couple months ago send me one. It would have been a great fit. And I just, I looked at it and I was like, oh, I just, I, I don't think I can do it. I can't do the politics of it. And the, yeah. You, you know, what's really exciting. And this is, I'm sure you're going to find the same thing. And it's one of the reasons I joined Aon when I did, because I was successful. I was doing great. And, but this was the reason I missed working with colleagues at my same level. And that's the vacuum that we find ourselves in. So, you know, I have employees and I have incredibly smart leaders within my, even my institution, but I'm not, you know, they're not the colleagues that are at the same, you know, like we're not all the boss. So these people at one point or another have to say yes to me. So I miss, I miss people who will push stuff back. And what I found to solve for that, uh, I joined an organization called the Women Presidents Organization, the WPO, and we gather on a phone call once a month. These are all, nobody's in my business. I mean, the closest thing we have is an attorney. But we're all business owners and we all have a lot of the same types of human resource problems or predicting the economy or rolling out new products or transitioning the, the famous word pivot now. I love those calls. I love them. I feel like I found my compatriots where I could share. 
The second way that I found that I could still get that join up with other professionals, but without having to go and work for somebody else is I've launched projects that I can pull in experts and we create, like I have a task force right now that's completely tied to the COVID solution coming out. You know, we will have a drug that people will be able to go and get, you know, like a flu shot. There will be a COVID shot coming out soon. And it's my task force that's spearheading, monitoring the internet to make sure any threats against it is mitigated immediately. And the pharmaceuticals, the logistical operators, the DOD, DHS, all the key players were like, hey, that's a great idea. So we kind of propped up a company in action. And the vendors, the vendors all volunteered their software. The analysts who are doing it are all volunteers who wanted to learn those software platforms anyway. So it's like I'm taking really smart people, teaching them about software, giving them a chance to play with the big kid toys. And then we have all of those pharmaceuticals also wrapped around the process so that they can be informed if there's threats to their product. So like everybody is doing like in what my experience is a post 9-11, let's figure it out and work together partnership. Oh, yeah. It's Operation Vaccine. Operation Vaccine. Oh, okay. Everyone check that out. Um, That is so amazing because you know what? There is going to be pushback against any type of vaccine. Just because we've got the anti-vaxxers, you have and the, the quick rollout and everything like that. So to have you and your task force behind this actually makes me feel a lot better. Oh, and I'm not thank you. Those, <laughs> I'm not one of those anti-vaxxers at all, but just there's so much swirling around about it. To have something like this, I would also say you need a really strong marketing team to make sure the right message is going out. Well, we're sharing this we can share this. We can talk about it, but we're not, this is not uh, for general public consumption. This is strictly an intelligence operation, but it's something we could talk about because there's really no client. This is for the betterment of all human beings. Like, I mean, frankly, I had a moment where I said, well, we monitor the internet for threats against our companies all the time. My whole company's premise is to keep people, property, and reputation safe. And so we listen, we're big brothers, little sister. We listen already to the net and all of our companies know that already. So I said, well, well, how can we use our, our skills for good? And I said, why don't we prop this up and now, and get this out there to the right company. So if ABC Pharma is worried about their shipment from manufacturing to the Walgreens or the CVS or whoever does the shoot, the, the shots, like, cause I'm with you too. I mean, they're going to come out with the vaccine in 90 days. I'm not too sure I'm going to be first in line to let myself get shot. It, it, just for practicality's sake, I'm, I'm a healthy person as it is. And people like me don't need the shot first. It's the first responders who are still in the field. It's the nurses and doctors who are still dealing with COVID patients. So, so it wouldn't be us anyway. But there's going to be an entire crime element and a fraud element that's going to be out the yin-yang. The fraud on this is going to be huge. How many counterfeit versions? Who's offering it special for your senior executives? I mean, we're just trying to get in from any good intelligence operation will always tell you in hindsight of an intelligence operation, if I would have known that this thing was coming three months before it happened, we would have done better. COVID, if we would have known three months before it happened, would 200,000 people be dead in the country? Would all those people be sick in 
and globally and all the other kind like you know we can argue all we want about you know who did what when but granted if they would have had a good 6 months in advance it definitely would have been handled a little differently i believe yeah and, and yeah. so we're doing that we're doing it now we're go- we know it's coming we know there's a vaccine you know no big surprise there how do we protect it that's so funny because I'm known as the fraud hashtag queen and one of the hash. Well, I use two hashtag COVID fraudster and hashtag pandemic profiteer. So whenever I see a story about someone selling PPE or, you know, getting a loan or I, I hashtag it because people need to know that like not everyone out there is for good. And yeah. Yeah. And it's phenomenal. So we watch your hashtags. You're one of our hashtags. We yeah. actually follow. <laughs> I love the hashtags. That's not like creative part of me coming in. So, okay, we're going to wrap up just, I mean, I could talk for hours with you, just like, honestly, for hours, I have this whole list of like 50 questions. And when I was going through it last night, I was like, I want to ask Cynthia all of them. <laughs> not all of my guests, I'm going to want to ask all of them, but most of them. So um, what uh, Everyone knows, but why don't you tell us where can we find you online and give us a spiel about osmosis, the dates, things like that. Okay. Um, as I pull up the calendar, because I'm ever forgetful. So myself, if you're interested in the work that we do and, you, and you're interested in being an analyst, you want to grow your skill set, uh, you just want to know more about what intelligence analysts look like. I'm always happy to, you know, anyone new and up and coming or transitioning in careers. They're more than welcome to reach out to me. My company is Heatherington Group, and you could go to heatheringtongroup.com and you'll find all our contact information there. One of the easiest ways to find me, though, is to catch me on LinkedIn. It's like the secret messaging system. It's the place I'm always scanning my LinkedIn profile. It's my 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 go-to social media, and um, and I answer everybody back. I make sure I an- if I didn't answer you back, it's because I just honestly missed your post. So reach out again. But uh, certainly happy to do that and to email Osmosis for those of you that really want to keep your skill set fresh and sharp or those that are really interested in like, gee, I kind of like working from home. I wonder what kind of work I could be like. I want to be the next Kelly and I want to be the next Cynthia. I'd like to do this. You know, working from home is great. Osmosis is kind of the, the step through to learn how to do that because everyone that works in open source intelligence can essentially work from anywhere, including working from home. The website for Osmosis is osmosiscon for conference. So osmosiscon.com. The conference is being hosted from October 11th to the 13th. That's when the global cast, the actual live version of this is all happening. I am more than happy to extend my friends and family rate for your listeners, Kelly. So if they mention, I heard this on the podcast we will continue our friends and family rate to your to your listeners, which is a $200 savings. And then I would mention also, again, for your listeners, because your bandwidth is pretty far and wide like mine is, if they're involved in the military or law enforcement, then they should just write us directly. And we, you know, you go beyond friends and family at that point, because we want to make sure we take care of our own. So these pieces are all out there, but, you know, reach out, email, call you know, send up a LinkedIn post. I'm more than happy to respond to whoever's got whatever questions out there. Thank you so much, Cynthia. This is like, honestly, I'm just like, my heart is just so full because you accepted and this has just been so much fun. And 
you are a great woman in fraud. You you just casually mentioned WPO. For people out here there who don't know, it's the female equivalent of YPO, Young Presidents Organization. You have to have you have to qualify. Not anyone can get in. And so, Cynthia, I know what an honor it is to be part of that. And congratulations. Um, I know you're doing so much. And I look forward to having you back because people just, yeah. So thank you so, so much. This has been another episode of Great Women in Fraud with Kelly Paxton. If you have feedback on today's episode or would like to be a guest or have someone you think we should interview, please tweet us at Great Women in Fraud or email kelly at greatwomeninfraud.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again next time for more amazing guest stories and tips. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, it would be great if you left a rating on iTunes. Or please tell a friend about the show. Your time is valuable and I appreciate it. Thank you for listening.